We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, sorry, drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I am an art fag. And my name is Colin Drucker, and you don't have very many funny lines, do you? Ooh, <laughs> yes. I'm holding a cigarette while I say that, naturally. Oh my gosh, this is like a quintessential, almost too many cigarette acting moments. I mean, if the narration tells us anything, it was too many cigarettes by the time <laughs> yeah, 1999 true, rolled yeah. around. Yeah, I know, 20 <laughs> years later... Yeah, yeah, she was. She did not go on to be a 21st century woman, unfortunately. That's true, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just a clever pun on, on the title of today's movie, 20th Century Women. Which none of us had seen. I And I feel like it's, this was my choice this week that I, I decided it was time. It has the word women in it, and I felt like it was a good choice for us. I feel that I've seen TikToks and other YouTube videos about how this is sort of an underrated gem that came out in 2016, was it? That's crazy to think it was yeah. that long ago. Yeah. Um, and we love Annette. You know, we, I we feel like we've only that. really talked about her in The American Presidents, if I'm remembering correctly, but um, and there we Mars are. And Mars Attacks, which is- Oh, of course, Mars Attacks. That's what brought us to do The American President. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, always good to, uh, to talk about Annette. Yeah, yeah, she is, you know, kind of the the face of under underappreciated actresses, you know? It's always like, yeah. when's Annette going to get that Oscar? And, and the number of times, I know she's been nominated four times, but it feels like so many roles that Annette Benning does, it's like- the woman is just tap dancing for recognition at the Oscars, you know? Yes. She has a, I would love to see her and Diane Keaton in something. You know what I mean? They, I feel like they're, mm. they have similar energies in a way. They could be like sisters. They're, that squintiness and the sort of, they even like if I close my eyes, I feel like they sound the same sometimes. Yes, I I would like to see I could I can looking at her IMDb picture now and I I absolutely see the Diane Keaton and I would also love to see and I I can't believe I'm blanking on her name because I <gasps> love her so much but she was in Air Force 000. 77 she had a smaller role she was in Apollo 13 and she got nominated for best support Kathleen Quinlan <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ah, that was amazing. <laughs> I like dropped my phone as I was searching it on IMDb. You're like, don't even press that K. If I can't find Kathleen Quinlan in this filing cabinet of a brain, <laughs> then what am I doing here? I know. Yeah. Oh, that was good. I like that thought process. Yes, I could see that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I like I like a squinty actress. I think because my mom is kind of squinty, so I like a Bette Midler. I like... A uh, Diane Weist. A Diane Weist. I love, oh my God, that would be 
a great episode is our favorite squinty actresses. I mean, Anne Dowd's kind of squinty. Yep, I would say. I mean, I, I would I would throw in Renee Zellweger. I don't, I don't oh. know. What, I mean, she's great in Chicago. Maybe not. Judy isn't our favorite performance of hers, but yeah. You know, I feel like, yeah, I, I did give up 50% of the way through Judy, but part of me feels like I just want to, see it through i i feel like i harumped through half of that movie and i feel and there has to be there's got to be roses on that bush you know oh i did i didn't i don't think i knew that and maybe you told me and i've just forgotten over the years but i think you know who am i to say watch anything these days because i watch well, nothing but I, this is just a, this is just a little preview for the best supporting after show available on patreon.com slash Best BSA supporting pod. BSA pod. That was like the best supporting. <laughs> Kathleen <picture>. Quinlan. Yeah. <laughs> KathleenQuinlan.com. Oh, that would be a great website. Um, yeah. That I, I watched a lot of shit this week. I feel like you're going to be proud. And um, this is all to say that I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, damn it. We were talking about. We were talking about Judy. Oh, yeah. I, I would say finish it sometime. I, I, I know and acknowledge everything that you said about it and i think it's kind of what everyone thought it's like maybe not the best judy you know in per- i don't want to say impersonation but like but if she was just playing like a, a a musician during that time that was addicted to drugs and you know had a lot of crazy stuff happen to her she's she's really great so and yeah maybe watch it but you know in your own time yeah you know and i think that was my takeaway as well was like if this was just about you know, Judy O'Brien, you know, just some 20th century woman, if you will. Then I think I would think, oh, wow, man, Judy, you know, Renee just turned into this Judy lady. But I think the, the, the ruby red slippers that Renee Zellweger, you know, had to fill, I think were just too big for anybody, really, except for maybe Judy Davis. That's true. I, I'll also say this, and I know... It might ruffle some feathers. And I feel like we've chatted about it too, but I really would have been interested in Anne Hathaway playing Judy Garland or even Liza or something like that. I, I just feel like it would have been good, but I feel like it was that peak where everyone was so annoyed with her that like mm. it's never going to happen. But I, I, I feel like she could have caught those nuances a little bit more, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just wonder. Stand by your convictions. I, yeah. I think Anne Hathaway will continue to evolve in our in the public eye, I think she'll continue to evolve as a very nuanced actress. And you're probably not wrong that I yeah. feel like, you know, there was that me and my shadows with with Judy Davis and, and Tammy Blanchard. And I feel like I could get into a variation of that with Anne Hathaway. And this is quantum casting. So, you know, just yeah. go with the ages with Anne Hathaway as the younger Judy and Olivia Coleman as the older Judy. Oh, my God. That's crazy. But, oh, I mean, I think it could be. And I, you know, and I've never seen Me and My Shadows. I heard it's great. But if if anybody else needs to tell the Judy Garland story, that's my suggestion in casting. I love this. I don't know if we've talked about it. And maybe you could save this for, I mean, it's not, you're not as big of a Harry Potter fan as I am. And I'm like, you know, I like it, but I don't have like the Deathly Hallows tattooed on my butt cheek or anything. Yeah. But, um, but there's this, did you hear about like the, the, the HBO series that's coming out? 
I don't know anything about an HBO That's series okay. coming out. So I think what's in the works is that for every book, Harry Potter book, is going to be one season of television on HBO. And there's a lot of theories about casting, but they are the one that sticks out in my mind, just because we just mentioned her, is that Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman could be playing Dolores Umbridge, who... Um, in the like the, the actual movies was played by Imelda Staunton. Look at me. I'm like Kathleen Quinlan. Whoa, <laughs> Kathleen Quinlan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like that would be such great casting, and I I got mm. really excited for that. And it's hard to even like fathom doing this again. You know, why do we need it? Um, but I feel like it's it's such it's like such fan service. You know what I mean? But I, am I am I ready for it? Yes. Please, please make that, especially if we're going to cast Olivia Coleman. So oh, that's just a little, yeah. you know, little thing I wanted to toss out there. I, I you know, I, I try to not go on Twitter ever, but I, I, I would imagine there's a lot of Twitter response to producing more J.K. Rowling inspired. That's content. right. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's that's my thought. I. Imagine, I think that's how this all started, and I think, I guess, like the impetus behind it all is to like make make the series so that they can get it right this time. Not that the story's going to change; they're not going to rewrite the books, but there's like some stuff that they could have like added, I guess, or will add to this to these series. I don't know, but yeah, I, the Twitter mind is a, a Twitter is a minefield. Yeah, I guess it's like, and I and I don't, I I shouldn't even be commenting on it. All I've seen is like, oh, these characters are clearly stereotypes of Jewish people, and you know, I've yeah. heard those things, and I don't. Again, I am tap dancing into waters that I, you know, I, I need to stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to. I don't yeah. know anything about Harry Potter, and I've seen maybe one of the movies. I've read none of the books, and when these series come out, I won't watch any of them, and not for any other That's reason okay. other than, you know. 20 years from now, I'll finally watch all the movies or read the books and I'll be like, has anybody, do you guys <laughs> know about this? I, I think it's like your Mount Everest of uh, in the category of like, everyone loves this, you should too, but I don't want to, you know? Yeah, I know. That's such a... But that's okay. <sighs> yeah, that's okay. right. It's okay. I think, you know, if that's what makes me feel like I'm different and special, then I'm going to hold on to it, baby. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yes, we got we've got 20th century women to talk about here. We got Greta Gerwig, we got Nets, yeah. Billy Crudup. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we, we we've talked about him before, haven't we? I feel he was like in Big Fish. Yes, that's what it was because I feel like I went on a whole tangent about his last name, and yeah. uh, now here we are again, Billy, uh, doing this thing, doing, doing this podcast this thing. thing. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so 20th Century Women, written and directed by Mike Mills, who some may know he wrote and directed the movie Beginners, which Christopher Plummer won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for. Have you seen that? I have, and I I actually started to listen to, I probably got about 30 minutes in to an episode of a podcast called The Big Picture. It was an mm-hmm. interview with Mike Mike Mills, right? I don't, yeah. Yes. I don't know why I'm like, uh, that um talk to you know and i i was reminded of that that he directed and wrote it and i didn't love the beginners and i remember watching it like so ready to love the beginners and maybe i was just not emotionally intelligent to like appreciate a movie like that i i felt like it was slow i remember like christopher Plummer won for this but also mm. it could have been a career oscar and 
you know, I love Ewan McGregor. So it seemed like a movie that I really would have loved. And I mean, when when did that come out? Like 2011 or something? 2010. 2010. Yeah. Okay. So I would be interested to go back and watch it now. Um, but I... Maybe like a B minus is what I would give it. How, do you have you seen it? I mean, I remember seeing it in the theaters, and I think that, that's such a that's such an uneducated sounding expression. Seeing it in the theaters, I saw it in one singular theater. Um, <laughs> for God's sake, I, I would remember, have never noticed. No, yeah. <laughs> All I know is I saw it in the theaters. All I know is I saw it, <laughs> and I I don't remember how I feel about it. It definitely didn't stay with me. Yeah. 2010 is also like, you know, were we still using flip phones back then? I mean, what a yeah, different where time. Where were we? Who am I to remember anything about 2010? I, I, I think the sentiment of Christopher Plummer won an Oscar for this is probably not inaccurate. Like, and it probably also is very much a career Oscar. And like, well, we got to give it to him sometime because you know how many more years are we going to have of Christopher Plummer? And guess what? Yeah. He died in twenty twenty one. So that ten years and <laughs> with ten wow. years to spare, they gave him an Oscar. That's cool though. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yes. Yeah, so that he uh, gays, I suppose, would know about Beginners because it is about a man finding out that his older father has come out as gay after his mother dies and similar to 20th century women is a largely autobiographical story. Yeah. It's a great double header to be honest, like play 20th century women and then go right into beginners because it, it like chronologically lines up. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and in a way, I mean, it does kind of fill in the gap in 20th century women of this, this father who, we know that he and Dorothea divorced. We know that he moved to the East Coast. We know that he left them that car. But you kind of think, is he going to pop up at some point? And he doesn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 20 years later, he, uh, you know, he's, he's free to, you know, let his inner pride flag fly or whatever. Yeah. So I, I'm interested in what you thought of the movie. I myself... I thought it started very slow and I got worried and then it started to pick up and then I was like, okay, great. And I really do think for me, Greta Gerwig was like such a standout for me who plays Abby. I think Annette Benning is also great. Um, even Elle Fanning, I'll give her some flowers too. Like I, I, I thought it was an interesting, you know, and as you said too, this is autobiographical in some ways for Mike Mills and that, um, like Greta Gerwig like is supposed to represent his sister and uh Elle Fanning is like sort of this combination of a couple girls that he was friends with in real life that just came over and like slept in his bed which is crazy but I do like a lot of like how this movie was shot I love all the colors I love Annette Bening's house her kitchen um those are just like some opening thoughts of mine what about you what what's your take on this movie Colin so you know I sometimes I just irrationally decide that I won't watch a movie. Uh, I call it the Pollock effect perhaps because that's the (laughs) other example where I just say, no, I am never going to watch that movie. I do not care that someone actually won a best supporting actress Oscar. That someone being Marsha Gay Harden, also a bit of a squinty actress since we're talking about them. Yes. Uh, You know, and, and I don't know. I just, one day I'll watch Pollock, but I just put it on a list of like movies that I'm like, no, I'm just not going to watch that. I don't care if it would appeal mm-hmm. to me. 
And I think somewhere along the way in the past seven years, I think 20th century women had been put on a similar shelf. Yeah. And I just, there was something about maybe the trailer for it or the, or the, you know, poster or Annette Bening's hair or something where I was just like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to like this. And, and maybe it was also one of those movies that by seeing the trailer, I kind of felt like, okay, all right, you know, kid comes of age in the 70s in California, got it, okay. Like, it, it feels it feels familiar, or it feels, you know, I don't know, um, not uncharted territory. So it was the, one of those movies where it was like, eh, I, I bet I have an idea what happens. I bet I know what Annette Benning does in this. Yes. So when you suggested it, I was like, well, it's time to drop that moratorium and uh, yeah. watch 20th Century Women. I, you know, I had, I felt similarly, similarly to you that I thought it did start off a bit slow and I I think overall, I think it could have been 90 minutes, like indubitably. Yeah, it was two hours. Yeah. yeah. So I do think my first thought was like, man, I, I rarely, or I try to avoid checking the timestamps while I'm watching a movie because I want to be surprised by the ending. Yep. Um, or to kind of like, I don't know, just go with the flow of a movie. But this one... I did check a few times, and at one point I was like, I'm 47 minutes in. Oh, my yeah. God. So where it where it turned around for me or where it then got some hooks in me again was when... Because, you know, there's narrations by uh, Jamie, you know, the, the, the youngin in question. There's, you know, narrating by Dorothea. You know, eventually there's even some narrating by, you know, Greta Gerwig and Ella Fanning towards the end and, and even Billy Crudup. Uh, but most of the narration is from Dorothea or Jamie. And when Dorothea started narrating about the future, when she, you know, when she talked about yeah. and in 1999, I'll die of cancer. And, she, and there started to be more of that omniscient or, you know, whatever, omnipresent uh, point of view versus kind of being so focused in this late 1970s California reality that I I just wasn't like very interested in. I was like, um, oh, like the, it wasn't interesting to me until Dorothea said these kids don't realize that punk is about to die and they yes. have no sense of what AIDS is going to be and all of that. And I thought, oh, now there's an interesting context here. If we didn't have this, I would be... I, oh my! I I think if I wasn't watching this for the podcast, I would have stopped watching it. Sure. So, uh, so I think that really helped. I think so too. It 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 kind of brought it back to life a little bit, and it it's interesting. And to me, it felt like the first thirty minutes. But I guess if it was, if I'm being honest, it probably was longer. Where it really started to pick up for me, and then when you know, Greta Gerwig or you know Abby took Jamie out to the club, and even like. Annette's first big moment, you know what I mean? I mean, what, like she has a lot of face journeys in this movie, I feel. A lot of cigarettes, a lot of face journeys, which I'm not mad about. Um, but when Jamie says, you know, they're talking about uh, <laughs> clitoral stimulation in the kitchen. He's like, mm -hmm. I just want to be a good guy. I just want to be able to, um, or I, I don't want to be able to just satisfy a woman or whatever he says. And the face journey of Annette Benning afterwards. And she said, kid. I'm sure you will. And then just walks out of the room. Yeah. It was such a like bizarre, crazy, wonderful choice too. Cause like, it's like she sees him like, I don't know, maybe as more of like a young man rather than like her, her, 
her baby boy. You know, it was it was an interesting moment, but I did like it. I I really appreciate those little moments. I think what's great about this character of Dorothea is that she is she doesn't play the predictable mom beats. You know, I think that's kind of the conceit of this character is she's not concerned about him going out. She's not concerned about him getting drunk. She's not concerned about like the fact that he wants to be sexual because their entire life together we see in flashbacks is about her affirming his autonomy and, and his, you know, uh, his humanness beyond just being her child. And, and so I, it gives Annette Benning all these opportunities to play, unexpected notes and and mixed with like her being so kind of liberal carefree you know trusting her kid but also coming up against these these walls of like okay well I I can't talk to you about clitoral stimulation like that I can't talk to you about and so yeah I I thought those little moments were great for her and uh kept the kept things moving I think if she was just like concerned mom the whole time oh my god 20th century boredom yeah i mean and essentially too it's like the plot is that she recruits abby played by greta gerwig and who is like who kind of lives at the house it's like it's kind of like this boarding house with of like ragtag people of you know billy crudup who's who plays william and abby they both live there and then um julie who is played by Elle fanning is just i guess you know one of jamie's friends but specifically the women abby and um, and Julie are sort of recruited by Dorothea to sort of help raise Jamie because, and it's, I guess it's interesting too, because, you know, she's an older mom. I think, was she like 50 or 55? I can't remember how. 55. 55, yeah. which is old for like, it's not old by any, like today's standards by any means too, but like to be raising a 17 year old, 16 year old is, and especially being a single mom. I And I think, you know, part of the reason is that she's not, like you said, she's not concerned about him going out or having all these experiences. She just doesn't want him to end up like her at the end, which I think is, mm. is, is that's like an interesting thing to play. That that excites me as, as far as like plot wise, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and I think a lot of that goes back to these like <clears throat> kind of the generations you grow up in. Like I think that gets reinforced a lot of like the, what is formative. And, and I wonder how much this, conflicts with her plan is what is formative for Jamie and what was formative for Dorothea are totally different. You know, like she grew up during the depression and world war two. And like there was, there's a, a different sense of foundation or values that she grew up either appreciating or, or going up against, you know, you know, ideas of, of what a woman should be or what she should be doing. Uh, I think, you know, obviously would be very different in the 1940s than they would in the late 1960s or early 1970s. And so in comparison, you know, Jamie is growing up. It's like if he's 15 at this point, then he was born in like the early 60s. And so he's grown up through the summer of love. He's grown up yeah. through the Vietnam War. He's growing up through all these changes in music and culture and, you know, politics and the economy. And obviously as he goes into the 80s, like, in some ways, I almost feel like regardless of what Dorothea is trying, there's no way for her to know this, but like of what she's trying to do, his experiences are going to evolve him in ways far beyond who she is, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I as I was watching this, I was thinking of you and that sort of like petulant teenager trope that I know you definitely hate and I was getting annoyed with, too. He kind of 
he bounces back and forth. I mean, eventually at the end too, I like when, you know, whenever they leave the hotel, he rides with his mom and then the other three just get in a different car too. He kind of comes back to that center. But at the same time, it's like he does act out. And I, 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 I was just like, come on that. And I, I, I will say, I like a dance party, but I thought there were a little too many dance parties in this movie. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Oh, I mean. Everyone was dancing. <clears throat> I was like, I think we need one, maybe two at most in this movie. There's a lot. If, if you like, you know, if you like the Talking Heads or Black Flag, if you like punk, mu- punk music from the late 70s, this movie is going to be right on your alley. Yes. And uh, most of them are with Greta. I, I just picture Greta Gerwig dancing. She's a good dancer. Like, she pulls it off. She commits. But I'm like, I don't think we need any more of these. Yeah, I, this is reminding me of when we talked about Twister. And you were like, well, it was a little long. I think they did, like, one less Twister. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah I, know, right? I guess or they could have cut, like, another character. But sure, take out one of the tornadoes in the movie. But I think in this case, yes, I agree with you. I, I want to talk about... Let's talk about Billy Crudup. Why not? Let's talk with him. We uh, talk with him. I wish we were. Um, I feel like because he's sort of painted as this guy that could be a positive sort of male role model in Jamie's life, but they don't have anything in common. And he does seem like a good guy. I mean, I feel like he has commitment issues and, you know, a couple other things. But I, f- I wish I knew a little bit more about him. We kind of get there a little bit. Um, but I, I, I don't know what I would have wanted from him or like to, for the script to show us about William, you know? I thought, it, you know, we he is very much a supporting character, but I, I appreciated that there was a backstory to why he was always doing Zen voice, why he was always kind of speaking in bumper That's stickers. That's true, yeah, we did get a little of that, yeah. And that it didn't come naturally, that it came from him basically like seeking out this, you know, and joining this commune and then code switching to the way these people, and you know, the way these people dress, the way these people look, the way these people act in this commune. And then he left the commune and now he's, he's just this sort of ex hippie in the late seventies, you know, living in this woman's house and probably doing a lot of repairs to pay for rent. And, and in term, and I guess, you know, it does bring up that question of like, and I think even Julie brings up that if Dorothea wants to make sure she's raising Jamie right, why is she not turning to William as at least a seemingly self-aware man in the house, you know? Uh, and so it does kind of bring up that question of like, why doesn't Dorothea want Jamie to end up like William? Cause I don't think it's just that they have nothing in common. Yeah, I think that's maybe from Jamie's point of view. It's like he just talks about wood all the time. But yeah, he's not that bad of a guy. And, you know, kind of jumping ahead a little bit too. But he, you know, William eventually sleeps with Abby and then eventually kisses Dorothea at this like this random night out or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's nice. It's like I I could see a world where they could be together. But I feel like William's just also a little bit younger than Dorothea, which is not a big deal uh, by any means. But I do think the way that Dorothea navigates that too, she's like, she like, she's like, well, what was that for? Like, she immediately kind of just shuts it down and challenges it in a way because, and she's like, or didn't you sleep with Abby? And and sort of, you know, uh, si- protecting Abby, I guess too, because like you don't know 
she doesn't necessarily know what Abby feels towards William, I guess, at that point. But she's kind of just like, no, no, thanks. And I was like, but maybe you can try. I wanted it to happen in a way. He had a great mustache. I don't know what she was. He did. I don't know what she was doing walking away with that beer. I mean, my thought is that, I mean, because there's also, again, there's the whole generational divide that Dorothea's 55, William's like in his mid 30s, Abby, I think, is 24, Julie's 17, Jamie's 15. And so, yeah. While there's like age, you know, age doesn't matter, blah, blah. I, I, I guess the point they're trying to make is that indeed they are, they are from such different generations. And so, in that way that Dorothea, you know, what she says to William is like, you shouldn't, you know, don't kiss someone if you don't know what you're doing it for, you know? And so there's almost a sense of like, you are not, you are not on my level. You know, you're not, yeah, yeah, you're good looking, but you don't know what you're doing with me. You don't know how to drive this Mustang, you know? And then I think, and, and you certainly, you know, see it in the way that Dorothea mentions about him sleeping with Abby and just kind of how she treats Abby in general is that Abby is is on the other side of William's experience where I think she's got not necessarily joining a commune, but she's got the joining the commune years ahead of her. You know what I mean? Like she has some sort mm-hmm. of uh, Saturn returns 27 to 32 corridor she needs to go through. Yeah, I feel like she maybe got a little bit out of that out of her system by moving to New York, but then she has, it was cervical cancer. Yeah. And she had to move back home um, with her mom, but that didn't work out. So that's why she's living with Dorothea now. Um, but yeah, I feel you're right. It's, it's like, she's got, she's got more adventures ahead of you too. But I do like the one, one of the few notes I wrote about Billy Crudup as William too, is the face journey when they're at the, that same bar, like this is right before he kisses her and Dorothea says, I don't think I'm going to find an appropriate man here. And he just kind of like, he like tilts his head back a little bit like, I'm standing right in front of you in a way mm. is what he's communicating there. And without saying any of it, I really enjoyed that. Um, and he just is so, I mean, he's so delicious because he's Billy crude up too. But I, I just thought that was an interesting moment. And then he just leans in and kisses her and then it goes south as we just talked about. He has a bit of a Bill Irwin and stepping out energy, just a little bit, just a little sure. bit of like a sweet, like, oh, sweet little guy. You know, I mean, I think he's, you know, I, I think he's a little bit, he's a little bit more my type, but I think they're both, yeah. there's some gentle energy underneath both. But you're right. It's like, he doesn't know how to drive that, that car. He, she, or he is not what she needs, even though he thinks that in a way it's like, well, I'll take care of you and I'll fix your house and we we're already here so like we already have a, a relationship established so but who knows he maybe he just wanted to sleep with her you know i don't we don't really know william's intention even though he seems like a good guy well there is that that thing you know that he mentions that he you know he sleeps with women and yes. he uh and he and he'll pursue anybody because he just wants to win a woman over he just wants the validation of i made her like me i made her want to be with me I, you know, uh, not forced her, but like just I I wooed her and that makes me good enough. But then once he achieves that, then he doesn't know what to do. And whether or not Dorothea already knows that, she certainly doesn't need that. And when she says at that bar, like, I don't think I'm going to meet an appropriate man here. Of course, he's a part of that. He's not. I, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I like that 
in sort of the almost epilogue of the movie, we do find out that Dorothy eventually meets somebody in the 80s. And that made me feel yeah. good. And I feel like the glimpse yeah. that we got of him was, you know, some guy was wearing a blazer, could afford to buy her an airplane ride on her birthday every year. Yes. She needed somebody who really, like, had their shit together because the extent to which she feels she has her shit together, you know? Yeah, I, I was going to say that um, it makes me think of, you know, Jack's Taylor behavior here. He, it's just sort of like these women that he wants to sort of conquer mm-hmm. in a way and then he doesn't know what to do with them. But yeah, I, I I agree. It's like, what are we doing here? It's like that would have been a more gentle way to say that to him. I don't know why I'm siding. I don't know why I'm trying to protect William. Maybe it's just because it's Billy Crudup and, and maybe that's the sort of uh, you know, that's the the toss up. It's like he's so handsome. Why not? But like she's she's able to see through all that. And I and like why now? Because I feel like he's been with them, you know, living in that house forever. Like why why is he choosing this night out of all nights? It's so it's interesting. Yeah, and it would complicate things and you know, what's interesting yeah. is is towards the end of the movie, you know, she talks to him at one point about her her ex-husband and how he was left-handed and she was right-handed. And so they could like look at the stocks and the newspaper together and he could write down, you know, the stocks with his left hand and scratch her back with his right hand. And towards the end of the movie, we see William and Dorothea doing that. And so I also feel like there's some sense of like people fulfilling roles without getting the job completely. And so William is fulfilling some part of what she had with her ex-husband and Abby and Julie are kind of filling in elements of Dorothea with Jamie that she feels she can't connect with. And so I, it's sort of a, you know, all of them together are kind of cobbling together their needs from the parts of others versus I'm just your mom. I'm your dad. I'm your stepdad. I'm your girlfriend. I'm your cool aunt. Like they're all doing parts of those jobs without getting the the title. Does that make sense? No, it does. It it makes me think of, it's like everyone's chasing something like, you know, you could argue that, you know, Jamie is chasing Julie and Julie is chasing, you know, that part of her coming of age story where she's starting to have sex or like she's, she wants to be a woman, you know, or like she wants to be older than she is because she's smarter than, you know, some average 17 year old girl in high school. And, you know, Abby wants a different life than what she has because she has cancer. And she also has these feelings for William in a way, I guess. But William and then William's chasing Dorothea. Dorothea, it's like it's in like uh, my best friend's wedding when mm-hmm. um, Julia Roberts is chasing Cameron Diaz, who's chasing that handsome man that I forgot his name. <gasps> Dermot Mulrooney. Dermot Mulrooney. Kathleen and then, of course, Quinlan. she calls. <laughs> uh, yes, of course. But like, who's chasing you, Jules? No one. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I, I think they all just kind of... I guess if everybody's chasing everybody, then then you're too busy running around to to worry about... I don't know, to worry about that question of who's chasing me. And Yeah, it's a, it's a different avenue of what you were saying, too. Yeah. But you're right. It's like they're all, they're all sort of... They're trying their best to help each other out. But in the meantime, like, everyone still has their own shit to deal with. And uh, it's... It's a little complicated. Hmm. Well, you know, the the central conceit of the movie that Dorothea feels that she basically is being maybe outpaced by Jamie or she he's just he's getting to a point where she 
can't fully connect with him, even as she says to Abby, like you, you see him out in the world in a way that I'll never see him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But there's just that, that feeling that I'm sure a lot of parents have as their kids get older and become more and more of their own person where there's also more and more of that person that they don't have access to anymore. They don't connect with, or they don't even see. And so her feeling is, well, he, you know, the person he's close with is Julie and Abby is this, you know, great sort of modern woman who's, you know, a modern feminist and, and is very talented and is an artist. She's a photographer. She's got a great point of view. And she feels like these are kind of the supplements that she needs to make sure that Jamie is raised right. And I think that's an interesting idea. And obviously this is autobiographical, so it really did happen to whatever extent. But I, what it made me think about was I feel like as we get older, our relationships with our parents can evolve again where they actually do see who that person is in the world. Like I think, sure, there's some things that like, there's some elements of my life that my mother doesn't see, you know, some mm-hmm. obvious things I'm not going to talk to my mom about, but I, I do feel like in a lot of ways, like she has seen who I am as an adult. Like she has seen me who, who as who I am out in the world. And it almost feels like, there's probably a phase in a lot of kids' lives where they they do the paths diverge a bit from their parents, but I I also feel like more often than not those those paths reconverge again. I think so too. It's like there's there I don't know what made me think of this, but there's an episode of Modern Family about this where, um, you know, the oldest daughter has as as far as just like loving your mom than hating your mom when you're like in that sort of high school teenage like point of your life I guess um and the middle daughter is like still kind of embarrassed and like they they see that and they identify that too and I I think this part is like I don't think it's easy to raise any teenager you know what I mean and there's always going to be that like oh god it just must be the worst you know (laughs) like trying to talk to a teenager and them just being like so disrespectful and like not understanding you know they think they know everything too so like yeah of course she feels like she needs help, but like w- to go with what you're saying too, is like, she knows that he's a good kid. I think she can identify that by now. She, he might not be like as close to her, but I, I think you can have a good sense of character by what, is it, how old is he in it? 15, he's 16. Okay, cool. But I mean, even like as a, as a viewer of this movie too, even, you know, petulant teenager aside too, like he seems like even though he's not sharing that with her he seems like his his intentions are good i guess yeah i i think that they actually do still have you know i think the mere fact that they can communicate that they can have full conversations that he doesn't just like and storm out of the room and do the stocks yeah yeah and do the stocks with her i feel like there's a lot of moms who would watch this and go dotty you've got a pretty good he's really a sweetie dotty <laughs> <laughs> That was good. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. That it, it that was one of the things I would say that didn't there were there were a couple things that didn't really resonate or really take off for me. And I thought one was the the motivation to have Abby and Julie kind of become Aunt Abby and cousin Julie. Yeah. I don't know if that all really came together for me. I I 
I wasn't seeing anything Jamie was doing. Like, sure, he played that that you know blackout game with the you know the kids on the playground, and he you know passed out for a half hour, and Annette Benning got some great concerned mom in the hospital acting, which I always love. But oh yeah. And maybe that's supposed to represent like, oh, he's going down, he's going down the wrong path. I don't want him to become one of those boys. I don't want him to die. But I, I, I felt like that wasn't enough for me to explain why this was happening or fair. Yeah. There wasn't ever, or I thought maybe that would be the initial reason why we thought this was happening. And then she'd reveal in the third act, some greater concern. I totally agree and I don't think I I picked up on that or really thought too much about it I just kind of went with it but it it says more about Dorothea than it does Jamie because you're right he there really isn't much at stake for her for her to say like girls I need help it's just like I don't want him to be like how I am and I think you girls can kind of fill in those gaps so do that and of course it backfires because the whole time Jamie, like at the very end, he just says like, well, I thought that you just didn't give a shit about me anymore, which is like, which causes him to act out even more and become even more distant, to be honest. So like, where's the gain here? Right. I mean, I think that's, that does jump out to me that by the end, it's like, he still wants his mom, you know? And and I, I do think it says a lot about Dorothea and Dorothea having to accept that it may not always be... Like, as he becomes more of a person, he's also going to make decisions without her. Or he's going to, I don't know, have life experiences that she can't control. I mean, this does kind of feel like she's she's trying to control some narrative of who Jamie's going to be. And I think I also don't understand who is it that she is that she doesn't want him to become. Yeah, because she seems pretty cool. I mean, she might not right? be able to um, land on a man, but that's also not the worst thing to happen to a woman. But maybe a woman of her, you know, born in her time period and then kind of being raised a certain way feels like it might be. Um, but no one really calls her out on it, except maybe that scene with like Elle Fanning or Julie in the car when she's like, you know, you've brought... Because Dorothy is like, well, I've, I've I've dated men and I brought men home. She's like, but they're not appropriate. And she basically is like, well, fuck off and walk into the woods for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that was like such an interesting scene. I was like, all right, enough trees. We get it. She's going into the wilderness and her own. Yeah. But you're right. It's like I, I don't. It's all on her. And like we don't see enough of that or know enough about Dorothea because from the outside, she seems like a fucking cool mom. She might smoke too much. But she kind of lets him do, lets Jamie do whatever he wants and seems to be like pretty liberal and just cool. Right. And what we've learned for life, it's like, sure, she didn't get to fly planes during the war because the war ended before she finished flight school. But she had ambitions and she had a job when we saw her working and she she still has. Yes, that she still has. And and she gets picked up by that guy, Charlie, at work, who, you know. He's very handsome. That's very handsome. Yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, he like kind of asks her out and he's like, oh, OK, yeah, because uh, some of the guys thought you might be a lesbian. And she has a great little moment. And then he says, but uh, you're not. So so do you still want to go out? And she has a great moment there where she kind of processes it. It's a little Debbie Miller where she has to kind of like swallow the jagged little pill of it. And then she goes something along the lines of like, 
well, yeah, sure, Charlie. Okay. Like it's there's a lot yep. of that in this movie movie where Dorothea is actively processing something and then choosing her reaction. And it doesn't come across like Debbie Miller in and you know, we talk about Debbie Miller so often and hysterical blindness is a movie yeah. that is like wildly unavailable, but I will forever I make know. Debbie Miller a reference so that people you, will as see you should. It. Yes. If we don't make these references, we lose these references. But you know, and and she is so important to me. But I think unlike Debbie Miller, I don't see that as a sad, like, oh poor Dorothea swallowing her feelings. I just think that she the way I always read that is she's like assessing the moment and she's not getting sweat. She's kind of not getting caught up in emotions or getting caught up in a hair trigger reaction, but she's assessing the information that she's heard and then deciding how she's going to handle it. And that all seems very level headed to me. And yeah, you know, she's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what she's afraid of Jamie becoming. That's similar to her. I think she's, I think she's great. I'd love to turn into Annette Benning. Yeah, it's, she seems like she has a pretty great life. Um, and I'm trying to think of different points in the movie where it could, like any scrap of that, because I, I, I understand fully what you're saying too. And But again, I, I had a different experience watching it because I just sort of went with it. I didn't question it, but I, I like this conversation we're having because it's true, there's not really... And maybe it's because of her age. Maybe she feels old or maybe she feels like she hasn't accomplished anything. But like, show us that then, I guess. And like, and it's said through her narrations, you know, with becoming a pilot and all this other stuff too. But like the consolation prizes for not, you know, at least for that example is like, she still has this great job. And like, I can't remember the details, but like she was the first woman to be, you know, to be in that position or something that she Mm -hmm. still has. And she seems respected and and men still desire her and she's charming you're right she's a catch she's great i just yeah i mean i even you know in the beginning when their car's on fire and then she invites the firefighter over for dinner oh i I, love that to me like it's not as if dorothea is this like uh wilting flower that's just like being ignored she has the confidence to be like oh well you know why don't you come over to my house for dinner? You know, I, I, I'd love to feed you. So I, the whole time she reads as someone who has a really strong sense of self. And there, there's a, like that RuPaul quality where it's like, oh, the world spins around you. You don't spin around the world. And I just, Ooh. yeah, I think she's great. And so I think that never really connected for me. And I, and I guess I would also feel, what is it that she sees in Abby and Julie that feels more stable or level-headed or a better influence. Because Abby's very interesting and very creative and whatnot, but she's a mess, you know? She's a mess. And Julie, like, she's going through so much right now. She's no one to guide Jamie. She's no one to take on that labor. Let's let's talk about Abby. I feel this is like a perfect little segue into Greta Gerwig, who I, I, I've seen Frances Ha... I feel that was like the first movie I ever saw that she didn't she like write, direct and act in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel it's one of those gigs. And I, I I'm, I'm blanking on like any other movie that I've ever seen her in. But I I really did did like this role. I, I, I love her crying scenes. I just like I just needed one of these women to cry, which is such a stupid thing to say, because who cares if a woman cries? But I 
like her crying in the doctor's office office after she's told she can't have kids was such a great, you know, basically, you know, her cervix when you're in when you have a baby or when you're pregnant it it grows or expands and that could be problems and i did cry a little bit actually when they showed her in the future and then that she had kids because i just wanted that for her this movie got me in like very strange specific ways not in like a full blown like oh god where are the tissues sort of way but just like a, oh i'm i'm glad i'm glad for you i'm glad that this cuz it has a 6 feet under sort of ending right Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, where you get the glimpse ahead. And, and yeah, the the scene in the doctor's office when he says that your your cervix is incompetent and she kind of starts to cry and like chokes back incompetent to him. Like I, I thought she put a lot of weight into that. And like, and what that would feel, like the meaning of that of like, you're, I don't know, from someone, for someone who really wants to have a child, I think using the word incompetent about your reproductive organs is probably pretty painful. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that she is. I like Greta Gerwig. Obviously, I love her as director. I love Lady Bird and Little, Little Women. Women. Yes. And I've seen Frances Haas. So that was, she co wrote that with Noah Baumbach and he directed oh, that's it. Right. That's right. And I thought, you know, he. Not that I'm a, you know, I feel like if I, I'm, I'm holding back my New Jersey accent because I want to say Noah Blombach, Blombach, Noah Blombach, Blombach, yes, Noah Blombach, uh, Noah Blombach. Uh, say it, Sister Margareta. <laughs> you know that reference? Is it It's from, from The Sound of Music? Yes. I, oh, vaguely. Yeah. It's okay. I, I, um, I have to say this really quick, too, because we love... This has nothing to do with anything. But speaking of Sister Margareta, we all know how Keon, my Keon, messes up celebrity names every once in a while. Like, um, oh, what's the one that I always say? I can't rem- I can't think of it now. Um, oh. oh, Melissa McCartney. Melissa is McCartney. Mm-hmm. So he we still say that in my house a lot. We say, well, then say it, Sister Margareta. <laughs> and he um, <laughs> So he was trying to say it the other day, and instead of Sister Margareta, he said Mr. Sargareta. <laughs> and it was the dumbest thing. But, like, I picture, you know, Mr. Sargareta from down the block, you yeah. know, like he, yeah. he, he works at the deli. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Mr. Sargareta, I, you know, eventually, whenever I write a, a, a book, that's definitely a character. Yes, Mr. Sargareta. <laughs> then hey, say it, Mr. Sargareta. Then say it, Mr. Sargareta. And for the three people who get it, it's worth it. Yeah, that's right. I, I wanted yeah. to say it on the main episode at one point today. So, I'm glad I got that in there. Yeah, because you never know when you're going to get a say it, Sister Margareta moment. So, that that's was right. Yes. We really worked that in well. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, not speaking of Mr. Sargareta, but speaking of Noah Blombach, uh, he, this movie had a Noah Blombach, Blombach, see, I'm, now I'm just like, gone, sure. uh, had a Noah feeling, had a Noah energy. Uh, you may know Noah from podcast episodes like Marriage Story. Yes. Which he wrote. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. Laura Dern won a Best Morning Actress for. And uh, The oh, Squid yikes. and the Whale. Okay. Uh, which I think I saw parts of, and I was just like, I don't know anything. <sighs> which about one wins? That? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Margot at the wedding with Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh God, it's Never a, heard of that either. Oh, it's from 2007. It's a weird little movie. It's got. I know it has a couple moments that I thought were really good, but it, it's there. This movie I feel like was was Noah Baumbach light, Baumbach light. Oh my I could goodness. see that. Uh, but indeed, yes. So he, so, so all of this to say, 
Greta Gerwig. I'm in general a fan of Greta Gerwig. I really, I thought her crying scenes were great in this. I thought she had some great drunk acting. Oh my God, yes. When her she... breaking that chair. Oh yeah. So yeah, so she has a terrible night out at the club. She comes home and uh, comes into Jamie's room and then discovers that Julie's in the bed with oh, him. And I just, yes. the way she navigates that, she's like, um, okay, all right, well, I need to talk to Jamie right now. And and telling him, like, if you want to do anything with your life, you need to get out of this town. And then she talks about how she got into that fight and how William told her that, you know, he didn't want to sleep with her again. And it's so... And then, of course, yeah, then she breaks that chair and makes a whole scene at the club. But it's it's like, oh, my gosh. 24-year-olds were always 24, you know, yep. like this is some 24 year olds. And I was that 24 year old. I didn't break the chair, but I'm not judging. I'm just saying these moments I thought really encapsulated like, oh, this is where Abby is in her life. And so I think those flash forwards at the end to see her with her husband, Dave, and their two kids and their little house in the suburbs. It was like, and that's also what happens. That crazy, you know, punk rock kid red you know, hair with yeah. the red hair and the smoking and the and the cigarettes and the birds and all that like eventually often becomes the mom of two kids with a nice guy named Dave in the suburbs. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's I'm I'm still going back to like your question too of like why Abby cuz like I think Dorothy is smart smart enough to know you know that Abby is a is a mess but also it's like there's Jamie was able to be there for Abby like during her doctor appointment you know so that mm-hmm. shows him it gives him a sort of like sense of empathy and like how to you know when you're just thrust in that situation especially with women too and like Abby I feel does have you know she's a feminist and she gives him all the books and stuff like that um and so there is you know there's positives he's reading poetry and I think to not take the world too seriously is like where Abby is in her, her life, even though she's going through a lot on the side might be what she wants her to instill in Jamie. Yes. No. Is that, is that Uh, something? I think that reads, I think that what we don't see in Dorothea's life is what she does for fun or what she has passions for outside of work and whatnot. And so there, I think there is some sense of like Abby kind of being this, this cool older cousin. Cool, cool cousin, yeah. Yeah. Shafali cool. Shah. Yeah, She'll yeah. She'll never be Shafali Shah. <laughs> You'll never be Shafali Shah. Yeah. But indeed, to be this like cool older cousin to give you the exposure to, you know, punk music, to, you know, yeah. to poetry, to, to you know, our bodies, feminism, ourselves, yeah. to feminism, mm-hmm. you know, things that maybe Dorothea is just, even if she's aware of, she's, you know, I don't know, just not, not the most adept at or or she has her own beliefs that kind of maybe conflict with that. I mean, I would certainly say Dorothea is absolutely a feminist in her own right, but in a different way than I think Abby is because Abby's got the books, you know, Abby's got the text. Yeah. She's kind of got the modern, you know, thing, you know, she's got her finger on modern feminism right now. Yeah, it's almost like I like don't love what I'm about to say, but it feels like a coming of age movie for Dorothea more so than Jamie if that mm. makes sense because like yeah. that's that's it, it plays such a pivotal it like it doesn't feel you know that sounds like a half-baked idea in a way but I guess like her age I feel like a lot of it has to do with her age because 
like 55 is such an interesting age because like now it doesn't feel like so old now it doesn't feel like you're you know in 2023 through that lens like you're washed up you know i feel like j-lo's 55 or 53 yeah. or something you know i what think I mean? she's 55 so like, yeah yeah like somewhere around there so it just feels like i don't know i wish i would have got more of i i wanted an annette benning sort of like I could have had a different life or something like that. I, I wanted some uh, something to sort of support that. Well, I think the idea of a middle-aged coming of age is really interesting. It's always going to be more interesting. I feel like my yeah. I feel like I'm I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like my parents are in their early 60s and they moved to Georgia recently and and they my my stepdad retired and so there was kind of a a coming of age for them in that they moved to this new community and they've made a lot of friends and they've, you know, there've been dinner parties and my mom's got little like knitting friends. And, and now they've been, they, they just met up with some other friends to go to, you know, South Carolina and then they're going to meet my aunt somewhere else. And like, they're just, they're, they're doing a very like active retirement, but I feel like in some ways this is a coming age, coming of age for them into a new chapter. And, my concern was that I mean my parents like they're in their early 60s and sometimes I'm like you guys are acting but my stepdad in particular my mom I think is as more of a youthful spirit but my stepdad sometimes just acts like you know like this is I don't know the, the 1890s and you know being 65 is like you know he's got right. his chair yeah yeah right and it's like this is the end and there's so much more and and I think a lot of that is because he's so much identified with with work and so this is I think yeah. a little strange for him but I I feel like I'm sort of seeing them come of age in an in their own way into a new chapter very different from Dorothea's story but I I think the concept in general of exploring a new chapter of your life at a point or arriving at a new chapter or arriving at some a, a new experience at a point in your life where you thought all of the new experiences might have been over and it was just kind of tending to the garden you had, I think is is always more interesting to me than like watching a teenager come of age. I I will I do I never need to watch a movie about teenagers coming of age like ever. Yeah. They because just don't even care. if they do, they don't. You know, there's so much more there, even with the most like put together teenager you know i can't think of an example in a movie or a tv show it's like you still got to go through your 20s and that just like feels like you're starting over again in a way you don't know what you want you're not an adult yeah you're young you know you're not young you are yeah, <laughs> you are yeah. young well i you think you know young. i say to this use... to help you <laughs> i say this to help you not that you'll listen but i yeah. think you know to use a greta gerwig adjacent example look at ladybird you know i think yeah. and Ooh. i love ladybird but the end of it i'm like you're a freshman at NYU. Like the story oh, yeah. just started for you. Like everything that happened in Sacramento was a prologue. I mean, what I loved, I, I don't know what it would be called, but like Lady Bird 2, NYU. <laughs> <laughs> like the NYU years is what I, I want. I, I would definitely watch that movie. I, it should be written. I would love to see it. Well, and I think that and I don't know anything about anything, but I feel like in the way that we were talking about how 20th century women and beginners kind of has a connection. I feel like Francis Ha 
is almost like the next chapter of Lady Bird. Um, it's yeah. different, but it's about oh, like a yes. young woman working in New York and the dance you know, studio, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like maybe that is the the beginners of to century twentieth century women for Frances Ha. I feel like it's Frances Ha comes after Lady Bird. Another great double feature. Yeah, yeah. It'd be so fun to work at a, the movie theaters. Uh, oh, yeah, the theaters. theaters. I saw the theaters. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> I'm forever going to think of that now every time I say it because I've never not said theaters. Oh, I saw it in theaters. I know. That's how I, I say it. I And I I never thought about it till now, and now I'm never going to not stop thinking about it. Yeah. Saw it in the theater. But the theater. this is all to say I, I, I enjoyed Greta Gerwig. I think she is a really great actress. Um, I, I really kind of, I laughed hard during that breaking of the chair moment because the next, there's just like a few clips of her like screaming at William. She's like, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like outside. And even the fake photography uh, scene with William, like right before they they get intimate with each other. I think she's like really committing to that. He's not so much. Oh yeah. I really Mm -hmm. thought that was really funny. I don't know. She made, she made, she just made me laugh. Well, she plays this kind of, uh, this awkward, like it it was sort of intentionally awkward, very organic energy. I think, especially in comparison to, to Annette Bening, you know, they. I think they have that one scene together after she gets back from the doctor. They have kind of a lovely scene together, uh, where Annette, you know, Dorothea tells her, you know, it, it's, you know, it, this you're in, you're doing the hard part. Like it's really hard right now. Like this is the hardest, and then it's going to yes. get hard, and then it'll get easier. And she's like, mm-hmm, it's going to get hard again. You know, I probably shouldn't have told you that. But I think Annette Bening is making so many acting choices constantly in this movie, and I love acting mm-hmm. choices. But I can see them. I can feel them. I can feel her doing them. Yeah. Greta Gerwig, I feel like all of her acting choices, there is like a smear of realism over all of them that I can't really tell where she's intentionally acting. It feels so much more natural. Yeah, where does Greta end and, you know, Abby begin? But I, right. I do like that. It, it feels like I, I, the first thing that comes to mind is Woody Allen, but like he, he seems to be able to bring that out in actors or that's his style of like just just be a person you know mm-hmm. it, yeah just, just be a person yeah yeah um but yeah i i think she's kind of my bsa for this movie for sure um i i really liked her and in a movie that you know i feel like i know we're near the end of the episode too like i don't regret watching it did i love it not really but i i appreciated it i saw what it was trying to do and i think you know there are some good bits in there i don't know if you're feeling the same i, I imagine so I had a very similar feeling. Like, for yeah. example, Elle Fanning did nothing for me in this movie. Sure. I, I I felt like she was British trying to cover up a British accent. Like, it was that kind of acting. I don't... I, and I know that she's been in a bunch of things, and she's supposed to be really great, and, and yeah. you know... But I just... The whole time I was just like, I feel like you just don't know how to do these lines. Like, I feel like you peaked at three, you know? <laughs> <And> yeah. So, <laughs> um, I, but I'm sure that's not true, but that's just how it felt. Sure. I, I feel like I was more maybe taken, a, not taken aback, but I, I didn't like her character as much. Like, I felt more like the character was just kind of, um, 
I don't I, I feel like she's even more of a bizarre choice for her to like, you know, she's she's sleeping with him, but they're they're like kind of friends and kind of not. She just pops in and out. She's definitely like a troubled child. You know, her. she has a mom who's a therapist that, you know, when her flash forward is like eventually she just doesn't talk to her mom anymore. And I can't remember what comes after that. Does she find someone? So what ends up happening with Julie is and, and I'll, I'm quoting Julie here. Abby will take me to Planned Parenthood and I will go on the pill. I will go to NYU and lose touch with Jamie and Dorothea, and I will stop talking to my mom. I will fall in love with Nicholas. We will move to Paris and choose not to have children. Oh, yes. Yeah. So she just kind of... La-dee-da. La-dee-da. Well, you know, and, and, and she is sort of always somewhat unattainable in this movie. And I thought, that, you know, when they're at that motel towards the end and she says, I, I think I'm too close to you to have sex with you. And it's like, oh, I, as a gay man, I... I, I've navigated those waters where it's like, oh, got to know you too much. Sorry. This hookup yes. situation's over. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're yep, yep. too human for me now. Uh, this is a me thing. But uh, so I thought that was interesting. But I also feel like even this narrative of Julie's at the end continues that where I meet Nicholas, we go to Paris, we don't have children. Like there's the sense Julie is someone who will never be on Facebook, you know? Oh, yeah. No way, man. She doesn't do any social media. Mm -hmm. I know that type. I know that Julie. Yeah, like she's just that girl. I think, you know, a sort of a, a comparison of a similar aged actress who I think I I have more warm feelings for, but uh, Elsie Fisher, who's in that movie Eighth Grade. I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I have not seen it. I know. Add it to my imaginary list at this point. I'll say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, sure. Say it out loud. It, it's, yeah. it is a really great movie. I really enjoy Eighth Grade. And she is... It's an interesting comparison to Elle Fanning where I'm like, I don't think you, th this feels like you don't know how to do these lines. I feel like Elsie Fisher, Fisher in eighth grade is just, it, she's doing Greta Gerwig work where it, she yes. just is this girl. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great that movie. Sense. Oh, should have did so, that one instead. Yeah. We should have done that one instead. It's just so good. <laughs> uh I, you know, in terms of just anything else I want to mention from 20th century women, she, uh, well, we do see Alia Shawkat in a very small role. Oh, yeah. Uh, she didn't really have too much to do other than to kiss a 15-year-old boy, so that was creepy. And then there was also Taya Gill playing Abby's mother, Gail. And she has a relatively small role, and they just have, like, the, the appointment at the doctor's office where, you know, reveals yep. that she, you know, because of the medication that she had taken— kind of passed on these complications to Abby and the and the cervical cancer. And Tay Gill, do you recognize her from the American version of Queer as Folk? No, I was not a Queer as Folk gal. I think I oh. maybe watched a few episodes. I know, I know. It was set in Pittsburgh. I know. I remember that that yeah. much. And I remember crushing hard on Hal Sparks oh. and there, I mean, honestly, I probably saw less than three episodes. It's honestly like I, I eventually watched the whole thing and I kind of loved of it. Of course, I mean, Sharon Gless is wonderful in it. She is one. I mean, yes. she's one half of Cagney and Lacey, and you know who the other half is. Oh, do I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim's sister Tyne, but yes. uh, so but. Taya Gill plays one of, there's a lesbian couple in the show. And so she plays one half of that couple oh. and she's, she's fine where she, and she's not great. She, she's actually not great at all. She's terrible. Uh, but <laughs> where she really shines in all her awfulness is there is a gay movie from like 
2007, the early 2000s, maybe earlier than that, called Mulligans. I don't know if that like DVD cover ever. Yeah, crossed let me look path. it up. The name sounds familiar, but I I'm looking it up as we go on though. Yeah, it's about a guy who goes home with his friend for like spring break or stays with them at their like summer house over the summer, and the guy and his friend's dad, you know eventually fall you know Whoa. fall in lust together i don't i guess they eventually have sex they do and taya gill plays the mom and she is so terrible and she has a crying scene that is johnny and i did an episode on it and i okay like, it's it is so over the top it's so ridiculous mulligans is a terrible movie for so many reasons <laughs> and like maybe we'll do it one day just because it's so bad sure and and she would she would be the like the wsa the worst supporting actress you know other than the little sister who's also terrible oh god sounds treacherous yeah but i was excited to see taya gill pop up in this i thought well taya you and i have we meet again yeah not my bsa so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I can't say I would ever watch this movie again, but I appreciate that you, your recommendation forced me to change my mind about movies that I rationally decide I don't want to watch. And ultimately, you know, uh, I appreciated all of the work Annette Benning was doing. And she got a Golden Globe nomination for it. She did. And this is nominated for Best Original Screenplay, I think, for the yes. Oscars that year as well, too. So happy for you, Mike. Wouldn't it be funny, like, as you were saying, this is, um, you know, sort of categorized on the same shelf as Pollock, If is if Pollock actually is great. And because of this movie, we'll never watch Pollock. Somebody right. chime in. Somebody, Some listener, let us know if Pollock... If Pollock is good, because I need to know. Because I know. I don't know. I saw one of the clips and it just looked good. It was a fight between her and. Oh, come on, Nick. Ed Harris? Yes. I can't. I honestly feel like a dinosaur. These. And I can only. I never. What am I trying to say? Form sentences. I really feel that I have the most trouble remembering celebrity names when we record. Like every other time I'm pretty decent, but you know, that's why you're here. That's, that's your role on this that's podcast, right, yeah. Colin. I've got you it. Do it. Well, well, thank you. You know, I, I got to put all of this useless knowledge to you somehow. Yes. You know, I mean, I'm looking at the cast, like, I mean, the year 2000, like what was happening in the year Oof. 2000? We were all realizing Y2K was a joke, but yeah, Marsha Gay Harden's in it. Amy Madigan's in it. We talked about her. You know, fuck B. We talked about her in Gone, B. Be Gone Baby Gone. Yes. Uh, Annabelle Gerwich, who I believe was one of the co-hosts of Dinner in a Movie. Do you remember Dinner in a what? Movie? Oh, my God. Yes. That was an era. The guy, oh, the guy yes. on Dinner in a Movie is so hot. Yes. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, I remember him. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe... I shouldn't say in all this spare time, but maybe with my momentum of watching shit again, I'll start Pollock. I'll find it somewhere and I'll I'll give it a little bit of a test run and see what happens. So I don't know. Unless some viewer writes in and says it's trash. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, just so you're you're aware, it's two hours and two minutes. What? I know. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> Never mind. That. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I, I so we we need to eventually just given and do Pollock but I would love for someone to warn us if it's not a good idea sure yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair yeah all right folks you've you've got your orders and uh and we are being played off uh, yeah 
I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. Uh, well, uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which now has a Patreon, The Good Patreon. I'm committing, and it feels good. And um, also, if you have any voiceover work that you need done, completed by me, go over to nkvoiceover.com and, uh, or follow me on Instagram, at Nikachanoff. How about you, Colin? Well, you can find more of me on All Right, Mary, where I think uh, by the time this episode is out, All Stars 8 will have premiered and we will be on the All Stars 8 bandwagon on All Right, Mary. So you can you can catch that. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Colin Trucker underscore and you can catch more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA pod. Or you can send us an email at the BSA pod at gmail.com. Well, keep your 20th century peepers peeled because <laughs> we've got a Best Supporting After Show coming up where we're going to check in on all of the things that you have been watching. Very exciting. Yes. And our Best Supporting Assignments, our BSAs of the Week, so much more. And if you want access to that every single week, plus early access to episodes just like this, you can go to patreon.com slash Pod. See you over there, folks. All right, well, it's time for us to get into uh, Ruth and Cheryl, our pre-only at your cells, and get the hell out of here. But uh, I think all that's left to say, if I check my notes and I've checked them and it says that all I have left to say is that that, as they say, is that. <laughs> <laughs>